Section 4 of Examining the U.S. Capitol Attack by the U.S. Senate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 4. Federal intelligence agencies did not issue a threat assessment or bulletin for the joint session of Congress. Neither DHS nor FBI issued a threat assessment or joint intelligence bulletin specific to the January 6th joint session of Congress. Mr. Sund attributed the security failures of January 6th in part to not having better intelligence from federal partners. He has stated that in a January 5 meeting with USCP leadership, members of the Capitol Police Board and officials from the FBI, U.S. Secret Service, and D.C. National Guard, no entity, quote, provided any intelligence indicating that there would be a coordinated violent attack on the United States Capitol by thousands of well-equipped armed insurrectionists, unquote. A. FBI released a situational information report on January 5 by email. According to reports, Shortly following the attack, the director of the FBI's Washington field office, Stephen D. Antuono, told reporters that prior to January 6th, there was no indication of anything other than First Amendment activity. Thus, the FBI did not issue a threat assessment or intelligence bulletin specific to the joint session or January 6th. Although not a formal intelligence bulletin, the FBI did disseminate at least one report warning of violence at the Capitol. On January 5th, the FBI's Norfolk Field Office disseminated a Situational Information Report, or SIR, that warned of online discussions of potential violence on January 6th. An SIR is a mechanism used by field offices, quote, to share locally derived information, unquote, that, quote, is typically operational in nature and actionable by or relevant to only a limited audience in specific domains, unquote, and does not meet the same criteria as an intelligence assessment. An SIR's specific purpose is, quote, to disseminate potential threat information to relevant partners, unquote. The Norfolk SIR highlighted a particular online thread stating, quote, be ready to fight. Congress needs to hear glass breaking, doors being kicked in, and blood from their BLM and Pantifa slave soldiers being spilled. Get violent. Stop calling this a march or rally or a protest. Go there ready for war, unquote. Jill Sanborn, then assistant director of the FBI's counterterrorism division, characterized the Norfolk SIR as, quote, information off the Internet unattributable to a specific person, unquote. However, she acknowledged that it was, quote, concerning enough, unquote, that the Washington field office disseminated the report to law enforcement partners via email, briefed it verbally during an interagency command post meeting, and uploaded the report to the FBI's LEAP portal, which is available to all state and local partners. 
footnote. FBI informed the committees that the interagency command post briefings occurred in person and included representatives from USCP, MPD, and the U.S. Park Police. Returning to the text, documents provided to the committees show that an FBI Norfolk field office analyst emailed the SIR, which was described as relating to potential criminal activities in the Washington, D.C. area planned for tomorrow, January 6, to the FBI Washington field office at 6.52 p.m. on January 5th. At 7.37 p.m., an intelligence analyst with FBI's Washington field office sent the SIR to law enforcement partners in the national capital region, including USCP, MPD, U.S. Park Police, and others, writing only, quote, Please see the attached SIR released this evening by Norfolk for awareness, unquote. As noted above, FBI Washington field office officials also briefed the content of the SIR during an interagency command post meeting, which included USCP, MPD, and U.S. Park Police, at 8 p.m. Acting MPD Chief Conti criticized the FBI's reliance on email, testifying that the FBI failed to ensure the intelligence was escalated appropriately and arguing that, quote, something of this magnitude, unquote, should prompt phone calls immediately. Acting MPD Chief Conti testified, quote, if there was information about a federal building being overrun, I assure you that I would be on the phone directly with the officials that are responsible for the law enforcement response, unquote. He added that officials should not rely on technology in the form of an email and hope the information makes it to where it needs to be. B. DHS did not produce any intelligence product specific to January 6. DHS, I, and A never produced an intelligence product, bulletin, or warning specific to the January 6 joint session of Congress. One I&A official informed the committees that he was, quote, not aware of any known direct threat to the Capitol before January 6, unquote, despite many online posts mentioning violence. Footnote. According to DHS, I&A personnel report on social media posts or other open source activities when, one, it is specific enough to meet a validated intelligence reporting or warning threshold. Two, the analyst reasonably believes it constitutes a true threat or would incite violence against individuals or property. Or three, it would provide analytically significant insights concerning individuals already reasonably believed to pose such a threat to homeland security. DHS officials again stress the need for analysts to distinguish between credible threats and mere statements of violence, however hyperbolic, controversial, or coarse. Returning to the text, in briefings with the committees, I&A officials highlighted the difficulty in discerning credible threats from online bravado and constitutionally protected speech, which limits its collection capabilities. They asserted, however, 
that I and A produced approximately 15 broad strategic warnings and assessments relating to domestic violent extremism, including the potential for violence and threats against government officials, buildings, and events related to the 2020 presidential and general elections and transition period. The majority of INA's products were specific to domestic violent extremists' particular methods or targets, such as the targeting of open-air, publicly accessible locations or national icons, and the use of vehicle ramming. Other reports were broad assessments of key threats to the homeland or the different types of domestic violent extremism. For example, in October 2020, DHS issued the Homeland Threat Assessment. INA released a related summary of key threats. Domestic terrorism, along with cyber threats, malign influence, threats to U.S. economic security, and exploitation of U.S. academic and research institutions, was among the threats discussed in that document. A week before the January 6 attack, INA released an intelligence in-depth report on the diverse domestic violent extremist landscape. That report referenced potential violence associated with political grievances and highlighted a number of other domestic violent extremist threats from across the ideological spectrum. Certain reports did warn of the potential for violent extremists to quickly mobilize to commit violence, but those reports did not reveal any intelligence indicators or warnings specific enough to have prompted a stronger security posture by USCP or MPD. The only report containing actionable recommendations was the October 2020 report on vehicle ramming which recommended law enforcement consider restricting vehicle access to protest sites. As discussed below, this was among the steps taken by USCP prior to January 6. While INA issued reports prior to January 6 that identified government facilities, personnel, and events related to the 2020 general election and political transition period, as likely targets of domestic violent extremists, no report specifically identified the joint session of Congress or the Capitol. Nevertheless, Melissa Smyslova, acting undersecretary of INDA, testified that INDA's reports were sufficiently specific to warn law enforcement partners of the type of violence that occurred on January 6. Quote, I, actually in preparation for this hearing, did review all of those reports and was impressed with how well the team did. They were very well written and very specific. The point, Senator, is that we thought we had provided that warning. We did not have anything specific about an attack on the Capitol to occur on January 6, so we did not issue a separate report. In hindsight, we probably should have but we had just issued a report on December 30th with our colleagues at FBI and the National Counterterrorism Center where we thought that that was sufficient, unquote. She added that it was unclear to her why consumers of INDA's intelligence products were not better prepared for the attack. Still, 
Ms. Mlasova pledged to provide better information and intelligence to INA's partners going forward to allow for strong security preparations. C. FBI and DHS did not deem credible online posts calling for violence at the Capitol. Of the intelligence products DHS and DOJ provided to the committees, almost all referenced violent extremists' use of online message boards, social media, memes, or hashtags. The majority of these referenced particular threats of violence posted on social media or posts encouraging others to commit violent acts. For example, DHS's October 2020 Homeland Threat Assessment noted that violent extremist media almost certainly will spread violent extremist ideologies, especially via social media, that encourage violence and influence action within the United States. Further, INA's December 30, 2020 report on the diverse domestic violence extremism landscape stated that, quote, the use of social media to make threats of violence upon which domestic violent extremists often do not act is a limitation on DHS's ability to detect and disrupt domestic violent extremist plots. When asked how INA did not identify any of the social media posts calling for attacking the Capitol prior to January 6, one DHS INA official cautioned that social media is, quote, nuanced and that it can be difficult to distinguish between mere rhetoric and overt threats. Ms. Smyslova also acknowledged shortcomings with the intelligence community's current approach to domestic violent extremism, particularly online. She testified to the committee's, quote, a lesson learned from the events of January 6th is that distinguishing between those engaged in constitutionally protected activities from those involved in destructive, violent, and threat-related behavior is a complex challenge. For example, domestic violent extremists may filter or disguise online communications with vague innuendo to protect operational security avoid violating social media platforms' terms of service, and appeal to a broader pool of potential recruits. Under the guise of the First Amendment, domestic violent extremists recruit supporters and incite and engage in violence. Further complicating the challenge, these groups migrate to private or closed social media platforms and encrypted channels to obfuscate their activity. We must develop the tools to overcome this challenge if we are to effectively address the rising levels of violence perpetrated by those who are inspired by domestic extremist ideological beliefs, unquote. Ms. Smyslova acknowledged that DHS needs to better understand the domestic violent extremism threat and improve its abilities to counter it. Quote, we are also working much more focused on applying more resources to better understanding this particular threat. We also are looking at how we can better understand social media to get those tips and maybe get better insight into what this adversary is doing. 
This is a very difficult threat for us and the intelligence community to understand. It will require more partnerships with non-traditional partners and with our standard state and local partners. And you will see that we will reinforce our already good partnership with the FBI. We will do better." Unquote. When asked if the FBI was aware of specific conversations on social media calling for violence in the lead-up to January 6th, Ms. Sanborn testified, quote, to my knowledge, no. And I would just sort of articulate why that is. So under our authorities, because being mindful of the First Amendment and our dual-headed mission to uphold the Constitution, we cannot collect First Amendment protected activities without sort of the next step, which is the intent. And so we would have to have an already predicated investigation that allowed us access to those comms and or a lead or a tip or a report from a community citizen or a fellow law enforcement partner for us to gather that information, unquote. Ms. Sanborn also acknowledged that there may be areas for improvement in dissemination of threat information. When asked whether a lack of resources impact FBI's ability to respond, Ms. Sanborn responded that the issues are twofold. First, she highlighted the challenge of trying to figure out the intent of an individual through the volume of rhetoric. Second, she pointed out that the FBI might not have the ability to mitigate a threat without a chargeable offense. She noted, however, that FBI did take overt action by talking to individuals the FBI was tracking who intended to come to Washington, D.C., and trying to convince them not to come. End of section 4.